Music Fest is a 36-year-old tradition in Bethlehem, so you expect a lot of the same sights and sounds. This year, some people noticed a minor change. There was a gentleman that posted on Facebook this kind of shocking photo of a Bethlehem police officer at Music Fest at at dark, and he was carrying an AR-15 rifle, which is a really large, menacing-looking weapon. This is Pam Lehman, who covers Northampton County's police and courts. And the gentleman that posted it had a little comment at the top that basically said, you know, when me and my girl saw this, we we turned around and we left Music Fest immediately. Bethlehem police said this is a first for the festival. They say it's partly a response to recent events, namely the mass shootings that killed more than 30 people in one weekend in Texas and Ohio, but also in response to two online threats the FBI is investigating that made references to Bethlehem. With mass shootings a frequent fact of American life, police departments reevaluate their protocols and people continue living their lives and going to festivals. And particularly in the last decade, politicians attempting to come up with solutions remain mired in gridlock. This week, following a deadly weekend of mass shootings, we explore two areas of response. How police protect Bethlehem's sprawling 11-day free music festival and the story of the little bipartisan gun policy bills that couldn't. This is the Morning Call Podcast. I'm Kayla Dwyer. We got a statement from from Senator Toomey in response to uh, the shootings that we saw over the weekend. Uh, The El Paso and Dayton massacres were just the latest horrific example of the terrible violence that we have seen. Saying that he he was calling on Congress to act. It was time for Congress to act. Uh, The truth is there is no law that we can pass that guarantees that there'll never be another such mass shooting. However, there are things that we can do to make our communities safer than they are today. And it's past time for Congress to act. So it, it seemed clear that we were going to be writing uh, yet another variation of a story that was starting to feel pretty familiar to me. This is Laura Olson, our correspondent in D.C. The other day, she put out a 15-tweet thread recounting the same story she's written over and over again, going back to 2013. Mass shooting, political outrage, legislative flurry, flop, repeat. After each of these shootings that we've seen in recent years, um, I end up going back to Pennsylvania lawmakers and asking them the same question. All right, we've got another shooting. What are you going to do? Um, and when I started to pull, pull the stories, it, it, it became clear that um, it, it didn't just feel repetitive, that it has been repetitive. And we, we have been telling people kind of the same thing over and over again um, uh, since 2013. 2013. A Democratic administration and Senate, a Republican House. A mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut the previous December. This cyclical story will often return to Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican, who teamed up with a Democrat, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, to create a bill in response to that tragedy. 
it was significant to see um, a Republican senator from Pennsylvania, which has a, a strong history of, of gun rights, uh, someone who had an A rating from the NRA, reaching across the aisle and working with a Democrat on, on any sort of gun control legislation. That was, that was unusual, um, for sure. There hadn't been significant changes to gun laws in, in two decades at that point. Um, and it was April that um, this this deal or negotiation was starting to come together between Senator Toomey and Senator Manchin. Um, what, what came about was a proposal to expand uh, background checks to all all gun all commercial gun sales. So it would close um, what has been described as a loophole in gun shows and online sales. It ended up falling six votes short of what you needed to to advance in the Senate. This wasn't going to be a final vote even in the Senate. It was just a procedural vote and it, it couldn't get beyond that uh, 60 vote threshold that it needed to uh, to move forward. And I think at that moment when you had all, all these um, elementary school kids who, who lost their lives and you had this moment of bipartisanship, it seemed like, well, if you, if you can't change gun laws at this point, are we, are we ever going to be able to make any sort of changes and address some of the, uh, what we've seen in terms of gun violence? Four Republicans voted for this bill. Others had concerns that something like this could become a slippery slope into a national registry of sorts. But national and Pennsylvania polls at the time showed nearly 90% public support for background checks on all gun sales. This bill, both for its bipartisan nature and its baffling political failure, has been brought up time and time again. We usually end up hearing it referred to as kind of the furthest that the efforts have gotten, um, because uh, as uh, the the stories that we've we've written since show, um, the the votes were fewer and fewer for that proposal as, as time has gone on. Toomey introduced it again in 2015, after the San Bernardino shooting, and in the now Republican-controlled Senate. And it failed, by an even worse vote. Fast forward to the Orlando nightclub shooting in 2016. A slew of bills put forth in the House and the Senate, including one from Toomey, seeking to prevent people on this terror watch list from buying guns. Nothing passed. And after Las Vegas, a brief conversation about banning bump stocks. The moment quickly faded in Congress, though the White House did issue a regulatory ban. Then we arrive at Parkland, the school shooting that killed 17 in February of 2018. With Parkland, with the students that we saw rallying, uh, the discussion definitely was much more longer lasting. Um, that there was um, more pressure, more urgency, again, seeing seeing these kids um, who were killed in their high school. Um, and again, we, we heard about um, the background checks. T Senator Toomey said he thought he might see a chance for some momentum with this one um, to, to really make some changes with, with the focus back on um, what to do about gun violence. Um, he was talking to some colleagues, and uh, President Trump even had a group of lawmakers over at the White House. Um, he showed support for Senator Toomey's background check bill, saying that we could use it as a broader base. He expressed support for, for some 
other things, even banning assault rifles, that that um, drew some head scratching from Republicans. But he also then um, accused Toomey of being afraid of the NRA. So it, it was a meeting that was all over the place, even though um, it seemed like there was some some potential forward momentum. And then we saw the president basically retreat from all those things that he had expressed interest in. He uh, scaled back some of the things that he thought he would support. He met with the NRA, and we we didn't see any more congressional votes. So finally, we're in 2019. The Democratic House decides to hold a vote on their background checks bill. And this bill is interesting because I think it really shows kind of the, the transition that we've seen in this debate. This bill is much more of a, it's a universal background check bill. Um, and it's it's broader than Senator Toomey's bill. Um, his had, had more exceptions. Um, if you're um, transferring a gun between family members or close friends that um, he would uh, have exceptions in there for those private sales. You don't need to go to the gun store and get a background check that, uh, you know, that that, that was more informal. Um, there are some limited exceptions in the, the House bill, but it's it's uh, it's definitely definitely different, definitely broader than um, what we had seen before. And it's where it's what the, the gun control advocates now are, are pushing for. Um, when I was talking with some of them yesterday, they're saying, you know, uh, we tried that bill. It failed. They s- don't see the point in going back to, to Toomey's version, and they'd like to, to move forward with a, a stronger bill. The House approved that bill, and now it sits in the Senate. All this makes you wonder what kind of gun policy could possibly get passed. Well, one did. Something called the Fixed Nicks Act was signed into law last year. It applies penalties to federal agencies that don't properly report to the National Criminal Background Check System. So it's it's not quite as as flashy as some of the others, but it was it was a significant step to to make sure that 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 loophole was closed. But the latest discussion that doesn't seem to have too much opposition at the moment is about something called red flag laws. Um, they're in place in a, a couple of states. Um, Pennsylvania has legislation that's pending. Um, and they would allow a family member um, to say, hey, uh, I'm really concerned about, uh, about my loved one. Um, I think there's something going on here. And there could be a protective order, a temporary protective order, so that they would no longer have access to a gun. And so the Senate Judiciary Chairman, Lindsey Graham, has a proposal that he's working on with a Democrat. Um, and we may see some some other versions out there. None of none of these proposals on their own are going to prevent mass shootings. Um, there's there's a lot of factors that go into why we've seen these mass shootings, and just expen- extending background checks isn't going to be the the sole answer here. Um, but some of these th- things could could make a difference, and we'll we'll see what what moves forward in Congress. This is a good time to remind you that if you like the Morning Call podcast, find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And thank you. So Pam, Music Fest has been around for 36 years now, and I want to say relatively serious incident free yeah i've i've been uh the bethlehem police reporter for you know 10 plus years and i'm pretty sure that every year i write 
the Music Fest arrests or, you know, big crimes that occur during Music Fest. And they are really relatively rare. Every year, I I note that the top three crimes are always alcohol related, Mm. like public drunkenness, underage drinking, disorderly conduct. Mm. Last year, there were only 20 arrests. And um, just to put into some perspective, you know, there's usually around a million visitors for the 10 day festival for Music Fest. So that that crime rate is is extraordinarily low. The festival is spread out over the north side and the south side, and there's no there's no gate to contain it. There's a million places you can go in and out of. Um, so for crime to be so relatively low with this many people in town and a lot of them drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. I think is really a testimony to the intense planning that police and arts quest officials have to do throughout the entire year to make this happen. What is the typical security protocol for this festival? Um, Bethlehem Police Chief Mark Deluzio said um, there are 50 to 100 officers that patrol Music Fest every day. Um, and and to note, this um, these officers and their patrols are not paid for through the, the, the city or through taxpayers, but ArtsQuest, the nonprofit organization that hosts the festival, pays for these officers' salaries. So basically, wow. these are officers that are getting, you know, extra time in addition to their regular duties at Bethlehem Police. Not only do Bethlehem Police do it, but they also get a lot of other agencies that help. State Police helps them. Um, Lancaster Police helps them because both of those agencies have mounted units. So they bring in horses mm-hmm. and officers to patrol. Um, I know they get help from... Um, Things like technology that they use. They use drones now. They have cameras everywhere. They have The city has this whole network of cameras, but they also um, mount individual cameras in places like Main Street. Main Street is like one of the most, you know, crowded areas of Music Fest. And for the longest time, Mark Deluzio would refer to it as puberty plots. (laughs) Naming one of the plots is because it's where all the young kids, young adults, teenagers would hang out. Because there's a little bit of a, you know, grassy area that they can hang out in. There's some cool tunnels that they can, you know, and there's usually like some fist fights there or Mm. some underage drinking. But, you know, police patrol that area pretty heavily. Um, Officers are on bikes. They're on motorcycles. They're in vehicles. There's undercover officers, which I always find really interesting. Yeah, I was going to say how visible are all these patrolmen. I mean, some of them are are incredibly visible, like the gentleman that... um, the officer that was armed with that AR-15 that the guy took a picture of. Um, and if you are at Music Fest for any length of time, you would probably go 10 minutes before you would see a uniformed officer. I mean, they're incredibly common to see. For Music Fest to have this really visible um, presence of officers heavily armed, it alarmed some people. People were, you know, this gentleman that took this photo in particular, he told me he was really disturbed by it. And he would not go back to Music Fest, and he's gone for years. You know, other readers um, and um, people that we spoke with said they felt better seeing those officers there, knowing that in many of these mass shootings, they're, the suspects are armed with those very weapons. Yeah. Um, and Bethlehem police have always said, you know, like if somebody has this um, incredibly high-powered we- weapon, they have to be able to respond in part. And 
their handgun is not going to do it, unfortunately. So, but it's not every officer. It's just it's just some. Police did say it was only members of the ERT team, and ERT stands for Emergency Response Team. Mm. So these are what you would think of as like a SWAT officer. These are the guys that show up wearing probably body armor. You know, they respond to a lot of calls of a barricaded suspect, or they're going to something that's a really you know a possibility of something really bad happening that the suspect is heavily armed um you know stuff like that so the ar-15 edition is one change this year has anything else changed security wise yeah and arts quest um officials said and i and i get this that they wouldn't share all of the added security measures because they don't want to let you know the bad guys know (laughs) what they're doing but they did say that some of the other things that they did was uh they put in some additional surveillance cameras throughout the city and they used water barriers. Basically, it looks like a section of plastic fence that's, you know, as high as your hips. And it's this bright orange color. And it's filled with water. And it's placed in areas where they don't want vehicles to go. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, if somebody had the idea of taking a vehicle and driving it through a crowd, which we've seen before, mm-hmm. and causing, you know, a mass number of deaths, they wouldn't be able to get through due to these barriers that they put up. And these specific measures have been in response to the, those online threats or, or to the recent spate of mass shootings? Police told us that the increased security was due to both the online threats that were discovered and the um, mass shootings that have happened recently. The mass shootings, Bethlehem police told us at the beginning of Music Fest wouldn't really change their security issues, but the discovery of the social media posts kind of pushed it over the edge for police who decided that amped up security was the better answer. One of the reasons I think police and and ArtsQuest has been so successful with having the festival and having this really low crime rate is the officers are really, um, you know, for the most part, they let the crowd go. They let the crowd enjoy themselves, you know, the, you know, dancing and drinking alcohol, going to visit the shops in the area. I mean, they're really pretty hands off and only get involved when something really bad happens that could endanger other people around them as well as themselves. So I think that makes a big difference. They're not reactionary. They're not like, you know, this strong arm force of, you know, tough looking guys that are going to beat you into submission. I mean, they really try to um, stay back and only step in if necessary, which I think makes a big difference. You know, Deluzio said this to me yesterday, you know, we've been doing this for 36 years. We've We've learned a couple of lessons along the way. Like, here's the best way to do it. Here's not. I mentioned in my story today, they put out this kind of wacky, you know, guide to not be arrested at Music Fest um, thing each year. And each year it gets more and more cat photos from, <laughs> from the Bethlehem police chief, who's a big cat fan. But it's like, you know, they're almost po- poking fun, not even necessarily at themselves, but like letting people know, like, we know you're here to have a good time. We're not here to stop you from having a good time. Just you know, follow the very simple rules that they are. Don't get loud. Don't pick a fight and everyone will be happy and, you know, it'll be another successful music fest. Do we know if this level of security is now the new normal? You know, um, each year they reassess and and the police chief said, you know, we'll, we'll do that again this year when the festival's over. You know, they talk to the ArtsQuest organizers, they talk to the public and, and, you know, that might not be the case or it might be the case. I fear that because 
the mass shootings are unfortunately so common now that we may we'll probably be seeing it more often and i think for visitors that go to bigger cities like new york or washington dc it's really not that unusual to see officers walking around with an ar-15 and it's probably going to be the new normal for most of us including in the lehigh valley Read more from Laura Olson and find Pam's Music Fest Roundup of Crime at themorningcall.com. This has been the Morning Call Podcast. I'm Kayla Dwyer. See you next time.